The Phoenix Suns fell to four and six after a loss to the Oklahoma City Thunder on Sunday night at home. One and four at home on today's episode of Locked On Suns. Time to panic yet? What's real? What's not? What will get better when Devin Booker comes back? Was this actually an impressive performance until the fourth quarter? We'll try a little bit of optimism as well. Let's go. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And we're back. Locked on Phoenix Suns. We're part of the Locked on Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a credentialed media member covering the Suns for the past seven seasons, a writer at suns.com and the host of the Just Basketball Show, wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for making Locked on Suns your first listen post game after the Suns Thunder matchup on Sunday night. Maybe you're here Monday morning. Either way, thank you for finding the show. If you have not already, hit follow, hit subscribe wherever you're finding us. We're free and available everywhere, including YouTube. So just hit that button, get a new show in your feed every single Monday through Friday. Become an everydayer. Get locked onto the Phoenix Suns right along with me all of the time. Today's show brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest, most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA. Use the code lowercase locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to one hundred dollars brandon duane yes is here as he is every monday we are recapping the sun's thunder game which i just got back from we'll do the normal flow of things moment of the game main takeaway and we got some rapid fire stuff to close things out brandon uh you had the suggestion of how we should do this fourth quarter breakdown because that is that has to be the moment that we talk about i think tonight but it really sort of kicked off right away where Chet gets a couple of open threes. He misses one of them, makes the other. Jalen Williams, J-Dub gets another one. The Thunder start to slowly chip away at that lead. That just turned into what snowballed into another, unfortunately, kind of recognizable, predictable Suns fourth quarter where they were outscored 31-13. to What do you think went wrong in this one was it different the same this is only 10 games into the year something we've seen a bunch already yeah it's at this point it's almost like it's a mental thing in a way where it's like almost like in baseball where if a pitcher's starting a no hitter you don't want to talk about it and i'm sure they're kind of feeling the same way about the fourth quarter like let's just not talk about it like I, obviously during film they're going to break it down and try to think of ways to to offset that but i think like you said just that the way that fourth quarter started uh, OKC set the tone. The Suns did not, and it just felt like we're just falling right back into that same cycle. And and the Thunder just made them pay. And that's uh, the first off. I just want to say, the Thunder are a really good team. Like that's that's not a like that's a legit playoff team. I think they're a top six seed in the West. Um, a lot of talent, and there's no shame to losing to them. But there is shame to how they played in the fourth quarter, and that becoming a trend um, is definitely concerning at this point. It's it just feels like. So I saw a stat from from Shane Young that they're they're minus sixty one, uh, and that's including their four wins in the fourth quarter. So that's just goes to show that that's crazy. Uh, yeah, so that's that's pretty that's pretty damning right there. And then you look at the Booker stat I was telling you about um, before we started recording. They're they're one in seven in fourth quarters, in the eight fourth quarters they played without Booker. So that's that's another stat that's pretty alarming, I would say. Um, yeah, and the the one that they, uh, I want to say, yeah, the San Antonio game too. I mean, they started slow in that game and, and fought back, but uh, the second one, 
but, but overall, just the fourth quarter has just been a, a nightmare. And I, I think it's a mixture of guys running out of gas, uh, you know, just not energy level dropping, chemistry, rotations changing. Like there's so many things that lead to it. I will say I thought in this particular game, and I'm literally on YouTube watching a uh, random cricket YouTube account that the weird things that drop the quarter highlights on YouTube Fourth quarter highlights, Suns Thunder from tonight to refresh my own memory. And I, I feel like they they ran more stuff tonight. Um, and uh, to a man, all of the players and Frank Vogel were positive about the looks that they got. But at the same time, you know, they said after the last game, when I asked both Vogel and Beal about a lot of ISO basketball in that Lakers game. They said that was good too for them and that they, they kind of stood by it. But then tonight Vogel said that they spent the past 48 hours really trying to reconstruct some of the stuff they do late in games. So that tells me they weren't great we weren't thrilled with what happened on friday which makes me think maybe they weren't actually thrilled with tonight i don't really know but um i guess to go to the beginning of the fourth quarter and maybe not get too far ahead of ourselves the thing that we saw them try tonight was to play durant and beal most of the fourth quarter they they kind of saved their minutes they sat beal with like seven minutes left in the third they had a big stretch in the second where durant was able to sit because beal had it going and so both guys, when the fourth quarter started, I mean, they both could have played the full thing and I think been okay. They ended up both sitting for a little bit each. Um, and that still didn't work. But do you like that strategy? I, I kind of prefer the let's just stagger them up until the very end of the game type of thing because you had Durant coming in right, when the fi- right around the five-minute mark and you had... Uh, kind of both of them in the game against some backups early in the fourth. It felt a little awkward, but I guess I appreciate them trying and I get the experimental side of this to just get something to work. It just didn't. So how do you evaluate that, that kind of switch up this time from a rotation standpoint? Yeah, no, it's, it's a tough call for Vogel because like there, there's two sides to look at. Like number one is if you play them together, they're going to take pressure off each other. And I think see less double teams. And that's kind of the, the beauty of uh, having them, especially when Booker is back, like it, it's going to work in, in unison where uh, you just can't double. And now I think if you if you stagger them early on, defenses are just going to throw the, the kitchen sink at them and just you know send a small army every time Durant touches it. And I think that's part of the reason like they're they're doing that. So you know that Durant's not completely exhausted come fourth quarter. So I think um, playing them together as many minutes as possible makes sense from that standpoint. But at the same time. You, you want them you, you don't want your team like on a, a, a like a rut offensively and I think having one of them on the court at all times is necessary in that sense and and just going back to to Booker like that's why having the three-headed monster where you could truly have one of them on the court um and mostly like two of them at a time two yeah exactly and that's that's guaranteed basically if, if those three are healthy so I think that's uh the domino that has to fall and we have to see what that looks like and um, until then, Vogel's probably going to have to just mix and match and figure out what works. I don't think there's really a perfect science to it at this point. He's just going to have to keep 
experimenting and, and just figure something out. But the fourth quarter stuff just it has to change. Like they, they have to try something new. So I didn't mind going to it, um, even though it didn't work out. I think it's it's something worth trying just because, like I said, they're, they're just not getting it done. So might as well try something new. Yeah. What did you think of the offense late uh, this game compared to other games? I, it sucks, too, because... Like I can sit here and judge like they're not running a lot, they're ISOing too much. It's it's kind of one pass offense, zero pass offense, but then you watch and it's LeBron doing exactly that and dissecting them. It's Shea getting whatever he wants cuz he's a force of nature that basically seems unguardable most of the time driving to the basket. So like it we could pick it apart on their side and then on the other side the other opponent is doing that and and succeeding. So I feel kind of bad being too harsh, but what did you think overall? Yeah. I mean, anytime you score 13 points in a quarter, it's, it's, it's not a good sign. Like they're uh, to me, it just looks like everyone plays very passive and they stopped doing what got them there in, in the first three quarters, especially mm-hmm. the role players. It looks like they're almost waiting for permission to, to do stuff and just kind of, you can't be like that. Like Grayson Allen, you, you got to attack the rim. You got to play with confidence uh, like you were in the first, in the first half. And instead of just stalling and just, giving it to Durant and with five seconds left on the shot clock, like getting to their spots was also another thing that I kind of noticed. Like if you go back and look just where they're making their passes from to begin the offense, it's, it's way further out than you'd like. And that's, that comes with not having a traditional point guard. Like these guys aren't getting to their spots and that's putting them behind a couple seconds, just right, right off the rip and just messes with the spacing and uh, yeah, just telegraphing passes. I tweeted about it. Like it's, it's a real problem. Like everyone, in the, the building knows where almost every single pass is going. It feels like with this offense. And uh, that's, that's another thing. That's just the playmaking is just, I don't know. There's, there's lulls that'll happen even in the first half when the offense is flowing where you're just like, this offense is just looking too predictable. So I think, uh, yeah, it's just kind of a culmination of all that. And I, they had some good looks in, in the fourth, like they're, they're just missing their shots. And like I said earlier, it just feels almost mental at this point. All right. Next up, our big takeaways, we'll talk a little bit about what Booker can actually fix and what we've seen from some of these other guys, the rotation, the matchups, how the Suns chose to approach this game against a pretty impressive and unique opponent. Next, first, today's show brought to you by Prize Picks. We told you before, Prize Picks. Is the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. I like to think that they kind of solved it. They kind of fixed it. They kind of made it worth doing because they took the model and they eliminated opponents, leagues, pools, any of that stuff. They set the more or less mark and you pick which side you're going on. And that's that. You can pick two to five players across any sport with their specials leagues right now. Let's say you're going to go LeBron James point uh, three-pointers and Travis Kelsey receptions. You add up the more or less mark and you get 10 and a half. I'm going to go more. Of course, those are two great players. And that's how it works. Again, no pool, no opponent, no head-to-head league, anything. It is just you versus the prize picks player projections. They offer quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types to set your lineup, making Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. If you want extra money right into your account to play Prize Picks, 
every single day. Go to prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA. Use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit matchup to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA. Of course, all one word. Or use the code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-B-A. PrizePicks, daily fantasy sports made easy. All right, Brandon, let's keep it rolling here. Um, you start us off. What's your takeaway after this game? What's the thing on your mind most after watching the Suns fall to the Oklahoma City Thunder at home? So the first thing is I'm still not in panic mode. Believe it or not, this guy, I'm still not in the sky's falling mode. I said the same thing last week, and uh, it's a little more difficult to say that, I feel like, now <laughs> with these last two losses. But at the same time, I, I truly – I will die on the hill that, like, yes, this team has some issues that Booker can't fix, but I think he fixes damn near all of them. So, uh, like, it's, it's just like you take away Luka from, from the Mavericks, Steph from the Warriors, like these top ten players, it changes the, the entire dynamic of the game. And that's, that's something that – uh, with Booker, I think he's going to help unlock a lot of their offense. He's going to help with the creation problems and that the staggering, um, just all that. It's, I think that's that's honestly my main takeaway is, is like it, it's kind of a cop out at this point, but it, it feels like it's still it's so difficult to judge this team until we see them all play together. And uh, I'll, I'll continue to die on that hill. And I think what I said earlier, just the, the Thunder are a really good team. Like this team, uh, I think, has a chance to win you know, 45, 50 games and, uh, we'll, we'll probably end up making the playoffs like straight up. So, um, you know, it's, it was just a tough, tough loss. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of people are coming at Vogel too. And look, look he's the, the thing I like about him at this point is how willing he is to be creative and flexible with, with what he's doing. And I think once he figures out what works, like we just have to be patient here and just like go through this process. It's, a lot of new pieces too. Like these guys have not played with each other. That's, you know, we're so used yeah. to the continuity uh, with the, the teams we've had in the past where there's just no, it's just like automatic. It just clicks right away. This is an entire new team. And like, it's going to take time. Like it's going to take months. Like that's, that's the, it's hard. Like when you're in the moment, obviously at every game, like you're watching and you want to overreact, but I'm still not there yet. So I'm, you know, yeah, we'll be fine. Somebody uh, DM'd me, I can't remember the listener's name, found me on Instagram and was DMing me after the game, um, had a, a take that I very much disagreed with that I won't share because I'm not trying to clown anybody, but we, we were debating that. And then he also was like, okay, then what's the problem? Like, what's the, what's the real issue here if it's not what he was saying it was? And I was like, the two things are Booker's not playing and nobody's played together before. And it, it those things are both... Uh, facing this team but the problem is the first one of booker being absent is limiting how much the other stuff can get better and i'm willing to concede that like i was debating with david nash on twitter and i know like you and i kind of debated a little bit last week and i know different fans are on different parts of the spectrum i think most fans are more likely to be on the far end of the panic meter because that's just life as a sports fan but people feel differently about it what i will agree to no matter what is Booker being gone isn't just a problem because Booker's gone it's about how everything else is affected by that the domino effect of you know Durant having to do too much having to play too much etc Beal you know how do you play him do you try to put the ball in his hands more because you need that or do you just say his role is his role and have him operate more as a you know 
second side guy and secondary ball handler, things like that. And, and those are all problems we're seeing. But I think that that is important to remember, too, is it's not just health or the stars integrating. It's everything. Every single part of this team is trying to uh, develop itself. But I'll give my first takeaway, my big takeaway, which is uh, a little less, a little smaller scale, but still important. And I just don't get the matchups and the lineup decisions still at this point. I know Eric Gordon did not play today. I I get that. I understand Devin Booker, again, not being around. We're still watching that ripple effect in the rotation. But I didn't understand this, the starting lineup change. And I don't know if you where you stand on that. And I don't understand the the minutes with both Okogi and Goodwin on the court together. I think I you know even with guards hurt, there's ways around doing that. And just in general, against a team like this, continuing to play so small, there was just a lot of things about who was on the court tonight where I thought that they kind of shot themselves in the foot. Yeah, no, I, I agree, and I think so. The Kogi thing, it makes sense, like theoretically, right? Like you're, you're trying to shut down Shea or like slow him down. He's probably the only guy that can keep up with him on the perimeter in terms of how shifty he is and like just slippery, like getting getting through screens, all that. Like I get it from that standpoint, um, but I think uh, well, I, I don't want to interrupt yourself. you right away. But just to answer that part of it, like yeah. two things: one, when Kade Bates-Diop was on the court. He still guarded Shea over anyone else. Mm-hmm. Like he got that matchup when he was out there, and they were switching and doing a bunch of stuff. But like it, primary matchup, when Cato was on the court, he was the guy guarding Shea. So that signals to me that they were fine with it to a degree. I just value. I, I just am always going to lean size against a guy like that, especially when you know Shea is so big. I like. I get it in theory, but. I don't like it's not Steph or like John Morant. It's it's a different type of player. It's like Shea's yeah, closer to Luca than like Russ, you know? Yep. Yeah, so that's that's what I was saying too. Is like it, the the other thing that I, I could kind of see, I guess, from Vogel's point of view is like he knows he's gonna have to play a Kogi with, with Gordon out and he's probably not as comfortable with him in the second unit. So uh they they could use a little more offensive firepower which Bates Diop's not exactly your you know knight in shining armor when it comes to, to offensive creation but he's uh definitely I think could could do a little bit better with the second unit so that's that's kind of the other thing I think he he was just kind of overthinking that part of it in terms of like what the rotation is going to look like no that's a, a good call Gordon. yeah um but those are the main two points I could see from his his point of view but yeah overall it was just uh I don't know. There's, there's definitely, I think the size is definitely something that the Suns need to play to their, their advantage a little bit more. And I think I also want to shout out Drew Eubanks. Like he had an awesome game. Uh, he was everywhere. Yeah. Just pure hustle. Um, him and Jordan Goodwin, I think both had a, they're the only two, well, this is off the top of my head. I think they're the only two that were positives, like plus three and plus four. Um, thought Goodwin played well. And I think he's, he's leaning, I'm leaning towards him taking, Kogi entirely out of the rotation, especially when scoring's back. Like it's, it's just looking more and more like, you know, if, if he can't hit his shots consistently and he's just uh, a complete negative offensively, uh, Goodwin at least uh, 
has shown the ability to, to hit wide open shots every now and then. So I think he's, he's definitely the favorite at this point. Yeah. People uh, that kind of, uh, le- leads into one of the things I want to talk about in the last segment. We can hit, hit it now. I think, yeah, I feel the same way. I think Goodwin should be playing over a Kogi. He played more minutes tonight. He's at least going to take shots and make them. I think he's a better passer. And defensively, yeah, you know, Akogi's a little fit, more physical, a little stronger, I would say. But people like to point to Akogi's offensive rebounding as one of the things that he does to provide value on offense. And Frank Vogel today pointed out that he felt like Kogi took a step forward where he wasn't reliant on volume three-point shooting to be a weapon on offense. Um, yeah, and he took eight free throws, and I think that's what Vogel was talking about. I think in a lot of nights, the uh, offensive rebounding is the only thing that Akogi does well on offense, and that can't be the case for somebody playing heavy minutes on a good team. Um, so yeah, the free throw shooting will help. It's still, you know, I guess if you go eight for eight, you take that, but a uh, a Josh Akogi drive to the basket to try to draw contact and get to the line is still probably a bad possession. The defense has kind of won, if that's the case. I guess the coaching staff just feels like they're going to need Akogi at some point. And so, to your point, I think they like him better with the starters if they're going to play him at all. And they want to keep his kind of energy and confidence and all that stuff up. Um, I will say my other takeaway is the Suns won the first three quarters of this game by six. You mentioned Eubanks. I thought the way they closed the first quarter to rally and get back into the game was really, really impressive. And I think if they had been able to win this one, it would have been their best win of the season. So I don't want to be too, too negative, but um, they didn't win. And the way they lost is exactly the way that they continue to lose. Um, And lastly, actually, let's, let's jump because I think one of the other guys I want to talk about fits into a last closing segment that I like to do anyway. So we'll get to those. Uh, Katie Bates, the op thoughts a little bit more in depth related to his performance, not just his starting spot going away. Next first today's show brought to you by Jace medical and their Jace case. We spend a lot of time talking. We get fired up together after wins down after losses like this. Thankful for that connection. Today, I want to get a little more personal with you guys. We just learned that on top of all of the life-saving antibiotics that Jace provides in their Jace case, they also can give you a one-year supply of ED medications. can bring it on extended travel. Whether there's a disaster or supply chain issue somewhere, there's a lot of stuff that can jeopardize you getting the prescriptions that you need. Jace has you covered. It's possible because uh, of their online service, they are filling things constantly, and they give you that peace of mind. You can go online right now at jacemedical.com to receive your 12-month supply of that daily medication. When you use the promo code Locked On at checkout, you get a little discount as well. We have a verified customer coming to us from Jace that said that they got caught up with the supply chain issue, had to cut pills in half just to make ends meet, ordered them a year supply through Jace as well as an antibiotic kit, Prices lower than their local pharmacy. So if you or someone you love would get some peace of mind with a one-year supply of any daily medication, including those ED, as well as antibiotics to just fight off disease or infection or anything that you're dealing with in an emergency situation, jacemedical.com has you covered. Check them out to see if what you need is offered. Remember, promo code Locked On for $20 off your first purchase. All right, let's close out 
the show, Brandon. Um, and let's just pick it up here because we usually do the young forward breakout watch. It used to be Mikhail Bridges, honorary shout out, uh, little shot of the jersey if you're on YouTube, but uh, it is now all of the young forwards. And I group Okogi and Goodwin in there. I guess Goodwin less so, but uh, we talked about Goodwin probably being a better candidate to be playing minutes over Okogi. And I wanted to get a little more specific on Bates Diop here too because. To me, when you talk about being tentative late in the game, I think he was a big culprit of that. Only took one three-point attempt. That can't really happen. I thought he did awesome on the offensive glass. I thought that he you know, just made an impact. I thought that defensively, nobody did a great job against the drivers on, on Oklahoma City. Uh, we'll get to Giddy in a second. Actually, I have a stat on him, but I thought Bates Diop did his job fine, and everything was good outside of several times where I think he had a semi-contested three that he has to realize is a, a good shot. And it didn't seem like he trusted that. And it's one game. We'll see how things continue. I do think that's some of what you run the risk of when you change the lineup is a guy who had that role is going to second-guess himself a little bit more because I don't think I would have said that about him in a lot of other games this year, including you know the Spurs game where he comes in out of nowhere and has all the confidence in the world. So I, I, I don't want to overreact, but it does sort of feel like, well, I'd be in my head if I got my starting spot taken for, you know, no real reason. Yeah, that's a good call. I think the confidence has to be there with these role players. That's that's kind of the deciding factor of how they're going to play. Like, we, we've seen it, like, whenever Bates Diop's confident, he's attacking the rim, he's, he's making some circus finishes, slashing, shooting corner threes with – uh, without hesitation, and that's that's what he has to do. And I think he he was great on the offensive glass. Uh, he had four offensive rebounds. Like he's playing within himself. And I I totally jinxed uh, just based off your stat earlier, just with the zero turnovers on there. I went like uh, checked how many minutes he played and like the assists and all that, and had his first turnover of the season tonight. So completely unacceptable. But uh, overall, yeah, it was the uh, it was the travel, I believe. Yep. So. Um, that's, but yeah, overall, like, I think just, uh, put him back in the starting lineup, get his confidence back up, let him know, like, you know, we need you to shoot the shot. If you're not going to shoot it, you're going to, we're going to bench you. Like, that's how Vogel has to be with him. That's similar how, like, they were, they were with the Kogi last year, uh, Monty, just, you know, saying, I'd rather you go one for eight than, you know, oh for two. So I, I think mm -hmm. that's how they need to trade, uh, Bates Diop. And we saw, like, last year with the Spurs, I, he had a couple of really good stretches where, he was looking like a legitimate piece and then he would disappear for a week or two. And, uh, hope like that's just kind of why he's, he ended up being a, you know, minimum, but overall, I think he has a lot more potential in that and the sun's got to try to find a way to get it out of him. Yeah. All right. Box score oddity. One of the other frequent closing segment bits we like to do after games and tonight it is about Josh Giddy. this was a weird finishing game for him where he missed a ton of open layups he was three of six at the rim and four of seven or four of eight I should say in the paint overall and that's just not normal for him at all. So I I think I have that right. I'm I'm doing the little shot chart thing on ESPN. I don't think the numbers are 
uh, updated anywhere else yet, but it felt that way in real time. And the Thunder, if you just look at the stats overall, had a, a very bad finishing night as a team. Uh, in large part because he just, uh, the Suns had an even worse one, by the way, uh, 39% the Suns finished at the basket tonight. Uh, the the Thunder were only at 63%, which was better than the Suns, but still not great because Giddy just missed a bunch of open ones. So I know that's not a pleasant thing to hear. This Oh, the Thunder could have won by more, but uh, that was definitely a, a big takeaway for me watching in real time. He was getting all the way to the basket and just side rimming it or back rimming it or whatever. It was a weird night. Yeah, and to make it things even weirder, the Suns were excellent from the free throw line tonight, but Bradley Beal just randomly missed three. Uh, you know, they were 26 for 31, 84% as a team, and uh, I don't think you're going to see Beal miss three free throws in the same half uh, again anytime soon. So uh, just a very weird night on that on that front as well. And uh, I, I think OKC, I mean, when, anytime you give up 30-plus points to – to to their guards and you know on the efficiency they did it's just it's going to be an uphill battle so uh defensively Jalen Williams just really torched them too like you know Shade yeah. obviously did what he does but I thought that was kind of the swing piece for them was uh Chet and Jalen just really stepping up and Suns are so focused on Shea that that's that's what's going to happen J-Dub especially on those mid-range pull-ups he was doing his best Shea impression it felt like in I mean, when he can do that on top of being a battering ram to the basket and having the three-point shot that he has, which is a weird one. He He's not that tall, and he shoots a set shot, and somehow it goes in, and he's, like, freakishly strong but still looks like a baby. None of what J-Dub is makes any sense. He was also, uh, you know, in his homecoming game, coming back to Phoenix. Shout-out to Gilbert Perry. Um, but... It was one too many things, and so that's kind of why I wanted to point it out with Giddy. Uh, real quick, you mentioned Beal. He did tweak the back again in the first half and apparently played through it. Will anyone uh, who was there, I don't know how much was coming through on the broadcast. I did send something to uh, Locked on Suns text alert subscribers, which I completely forgot to plug uh, 10 minutes ago, of a picture of Beal hunched over during a timeout that I saw from my seat. He was in physical discomfort for sure. And we'll just have to see how he wakes up, I guess, on Monday and you know how he proceeds with a one extra day off now between Monday and Wednesday. But that brings us to actually quickly to on Eric Gordon. They said that Vogel said that they hope it's nothing, but they're gonna call it soreness for now, was his quote, which was not a Super optimistic to me. What you know, we'll panic when we need to. I guess there. Last thing, another one of the recurring bits we like to do is the Phoenix Suns pre-take, and so this is guessing what you know Stephen A. Smith is going to be talking about at 9 a.m. Eastern on first take or whatever. You know, Zach Lowe's going to hit on his podcast. It's it's what's the what's the national perspective going to be about this team and. I don't have a statement so much as a question for this one, Brandon. And my question is, how long does this have to go on before people start the, this is a disaster, the Suns made a big mistake, blah, blah, blah. I've seen it a little bit with the eight and trade stuff and the Nurkic fit and everything. But, I mean, four and six and Minnesota coming in could be four and seven. 
Is that bad enough for it to start becoming like a national talking point that this team's in trouble, or do you think they get the benefit of the doubt until Booker comes back? Not yet, and they have the Los Angeles Clippers to thank for that because they are healthy, they have their big four, and it is a disaster. So that's kind of, I think that's taking a little bit of spotlight off the Suns, uh, along with some of these other teams are struggling too that, uh, you know, it's just, I think it's just beginning of the season. Uh, obviously, there there's going to be some crazy hot takes, like Zach Lowe will probably say. I'm starting to get pretty concerned about the Suns. Like, I'll go on some little rant about that, but like, Overall, I think everyone in the community knows at this point that you can't like if, if Booker was healthy and this was happening, that's a different story. But until we, we see the big three, like I think Stephen A will probably say something along the lines of like, you know, he, he's a bad, bad man. Like the Suns need Booker back. He'll, he'll go on some rant like that. Um, but, but I don't see the anything. good thing is with that, that the Lakers game was on a Friday. So everybody's going to forget about it by Monday. Because you play the Lakers, you're going to get talked about the next day, especially if you lose to them. But that game was four days ago now by the time anybody's going to be talking. So they, they they caught a break there, I think. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. Plus just all the weird stuff that's happening around the league right now. It just seems like there's a different storyline every night popping up. So, uh, but yeah, I think the Clippers are kind of going to dominate the discourse as long as that's failing. Uh, but yeah, if the Suns are still struggling like the next – five to 10 games or they're falling even further below 500. I could see some, some, uh, some sun slander taking over ESPN or whatever, but like for, for now, I think they're, they're safe. They'll, they'll get some segments, but I don't think it's anything out of uh, left field at this point, but you never know. They, they need clicks. So we'll see. I will say this is not important, but we're almost at the end. So why not? The West looks even better than last year to me. And that's a, uh, that doesn't feel like it should be possible. I don't know what the standings will end up looking like. It's very congested. Even four and six is, you know, it's it's not two and eight like Memphis, right? But uh, And even then, Memphis barely squeaked one out against the embarrassing Clippers in order to get to two and eight today. But you can't let it get too bad because you don't want to be in the play-in if you can avoid it and... There's just too many good teams, you know. Now you have Houston and yeah. Minnesota playing well early, combined with all the other teams we thought would be there. Dallas playing a little ahead of its skis, like I, I just a lot of a lot of stuff that's going in the opposite direction of the Suns right now. By which I mean, uh, they're playing well. So we'll see yeah. I mean, how Rockets, that all. I was just gonna say, yeah, Rockets and Woods both on six game win streaks. Uh, yeah, it's and then you look at. Um, uh, I don't know, just like top to bottom, the, the conference, there's no, like the Grizzlies only have 10 games left without Morant. So once they get him back, I mean, they're, I mean, sorry, 15, uh, they're 15, 10 games yeah. deep now. So, so, I mean, the, the, there's not going to be any easy opponents and they're going to need these games. So it's a, uh, it's a, it's a gauntlet for sure. I will say that even 15 more without jaw would put them at five and 20 when he gets back, at which point I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. So they are in a, they're in for it. I guess that's the one saving grace. Maybe James Harden tanks the Clippers and that's two playoff teams from last year that fall, but way too early to be too worried about that. Just interesting data point. The Suns have uh, a lot ahead of themselves already, including Wednesday against Minnesota, which you can catch uh, preview coverage of and a recap of here. I didn't plug it well enough this time because I didn't have my notes in front of me, but please subscribe to the Locked on Suns text alerts campaign. Link is below. That is subtext.com slash Locked on Suns. Follow on TikTok. 
for my game recap, instant reaction videos. Those are all going to be there now instead of Twitter. That link is also in the show description. You can also just search Locked On Suns on TikTok if you already have an account. Appreciate you guys for listening. Reed Brandon and the team over at Bright Side of the Sun. Shout out to Matthew Lissy, who was credentialed today. I think that was his first time. That was cool to see him uh, behind the scenes at Footprint Center. I will catch you guys tomorrow. Hoping to get Stephen Perjone on this week. That should be fun. He is going to tell us the truth about the Suns and just settle things once and for all since he watches more tape on this team than I think anybody. Uh, recap on Wednesday. More to come. Hit follow, hit subscribe. I'll talk to you guys then.